does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. That's driver and owner Ed Carpenter and the newest NTT IndyCar Series driver Christian Rasmussen talking about 2024. Hello, welcome. Happy Halloween, or it feels more appropriate to say happy holidays. It feels very Christmassy uh, or certainly more like December than the last day in October. It's Trackside 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan will be along in just a few minutes. Eddie Garrison is in our Indianapolis studios. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's cold, so I volunteered to do the radio show tonight, and others in the household are in charge of passing out candy. It's been a little bit thin, uh, as you might expect, and, and we're probably getting pretty close to done at this point. For a little while today, the sun came out around noon and thought it might be feel warmer than 39-ish. I think it got up to about 40 or 41. It was 25 when I got up this morning. That's not right. Uh, And I think the low is something the same this evening. But we're nice and warm inside. We thank you for joining us. Podcast will be up a little bit later on uh, for those that who are not able to join us live. We appreciate you spreading the word for that. Let's get into news of the day. We got a lot of things going on. Send in your Twitter questions, comments, at Kevin Lee 23 uh, at Kurt Cavan for X, or the artist formerly known as Twitter, and we'll address some of those coming up in the second hour tonight. And we'll have, what are we up to, Game 4 of the World Series coming up. We'll join in progress when we finish a little bit before 9 o'clock. So we've had some news since we last chatted last Tuesday uh, on two fronts. So the open seats are really dwindling right now. First up, We have the aforementioned and who we heard from, Christian Rasmussen and Ed Carpenter. And a couple of news items there. One, I'm really happy for Christian. He's a nice young guy. I've known him for several years. Uh, My son Jackson was sort of teammates with him when they were at J. Howard Driver Development. Christian was a a level ahead. But, you know, obviously we spent a lot of time with Christian and I've, I've watched him more closely some others than some others and think very, very highly of his skill set. And I think he'll do well. I believe he's just the second after Kyle Kirkwood to win championships at all three levels of what was known as the Road to Indy and is now at the USF Pro Championships. But he won in back-to-back seasons. So he did a second season of USF 2000. I think he won maybe three races his first season uh, after doing an F4 season. And then after that, it's been pretty dominant. Championship with a bunch of wins. Championship in Indy Pro 2000. Did not win the championship last year in his first year in Indy Lights. And then did win and was very impressive doing so in his second year in what is now Indy Next. So championships three out of four years, all three levels. And he moves up, takes the scholarship, does not get a full-time seat but I think all things considered, Christian, even when you get out the truth serum, would have signed up for that at any time last season. Uh, he's not one of the big budgeted drivers. I don't know if he's got some backing 
to help along, or if it's simply the 800,000-ish approximately scholarship that he has to bring to Ed Carpenter, which would be one reason that it's not a full-time situation. But I think this is more than money that makes sense for Ed Carpenter racing. And and I brought this up last week, and others have too. And, and honestly, I didn't know anything was on the brink of happening. I thought he had a good chance of that, but I, I did not know that Rasmussen was going to get that seat. But just logic says, you know what, for Ed... If I'm Ed Carpenter, I'm going to look out for Ed Carpenter. And I think this significantly increases his chances to do well at the Indianapolis 500. And the fact that there was no race at all before Indy, no oval race, means if he does simply an oval-only program in a third car, that means not just for him, but I think more importantly for the crew, The Indy 500 is their first race. I think the driver can somewhat get ready, especially when you're a veteran like Ed Carpenter, for the Indy 500. Texas is a very different type of race, but pit stops are pit stops. And not having done that at all, uh, is it's already challenging enough if it's not your full-time crew. So the best thing for Ed Carpenter was to be a part of the full-time program. And if they were going to do, say they did do something different, you know, then that's not a lot of cohesion. If you took up Christian Rasmussen and he's doing every race and you said, uh, sorry, Christian, you're not going to have your engineer and your left front tire changer and your chief mechanic and your strategist. I'm taking all them for the Indy 500 and the ovals and we'll bring in a spare crew for you. Understandable if it happens, but not ideal. And then the second part is you can save a little bit of budget. Third part is it's really hard, and Ed talked about this in the uh, the conference call that I watched the tape of today. Um, it's hard to find good personnel. So it may not have just simply been money. Maybe there still is plenty of budget around. And by the way, I saw Nathan Brown of the Star ask him the question on there about BitNile, and I thought it was headed this way, but I was glad to hear Ed confirm that. And you know, the reason it wasn't involved in the announcement is because uh, Todd Ault has a number of brands, a number of companies, so it may not simply be BitNile. It might be one of his other companies. But And that was what Todd had told me late in the season is that, yep, we're just about done with Ed, um, but he's working on some other things too, and that might be part of the announcement. It might just be simply a BitNile or Todd Alt Company's announcement of what their relationship is, with Ed Carpenter Racing, what cars they're going to be on, what companies they're going to be representing, and are they going to be involved with others? Like a Connor Daly, who I think maintains a relationship, or other teams. Um, And I'm aware of one that's being considered. I don't know if I've said this publicly or others have, so I'll just leave it alone uh, for for now and let them make this announcement if it all comes to, to fruition, because it certainly, I don't believe, was done Uh, or anything like that. So I think this is a good thing. I think it's good for the program to run two cars. You can be a little stronger as far as your personnel. As far as changes, Ed Carpenter did say, we will have some personnel announcements sometime uh, in the near future. It's been reported that Eric Cowden is going to head there so uh, to, to strengthen their engineering department. So that's all good. And for Christian... We saw last year that you can really show well for yourself by not doing the entire schedule. Marcus Armstrong was in a 
was in quality equipment, a quality ride, good people, good car, and showed well each week. And then you get the bonus of you get the Indy 500 as well. And that is a nice launching point for year number two. Multi-year contract, Ed confirmed that, also said, hey, there's some options to make it a multi-year contract. We don't expect Christian to show his best in year one. So, you know, I think it's safe to say, especially if you're essentially hiring him and it's only the scholarship coming around, and we'll get to this when we talk about Calamilot in a moment, the team is going to retain the option. It could be a mutual option, but in most cases, if the driver is not really bringing budget or not bringing anywhere close to full budget like many new drivers do, then it's going to be team's option. And essentially, hey, if you're really good, we get to keep you for a few years. If you're awful or we lose the funding, then we have the right to sever this relationship. And hopefully it's before December 15th-ish uh, and, and you know look for other opportunities down the road. What else ca- came from this, uh, from watching the, the Zoom call today? Someone asked Ed uh, about HMD that Henry Malukas had mentioned, David's dad, who is the owner of HMD, that he'd love to help Christian if there was any way possible. And Ed was asked, is he going to be involved? And Ed said, you know, I, I like Henry a lot. I always enjoy talking with him, but we've not talked about this. If he wants to, uh, my DMs are open. He didn't say it that way, but he said, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to him. Uh, so it does not appear like there's any involvement like that. And and this isn't necessarily a Rasmussen thing, but some have wondered uh, if H, not some have wondered, we all have wondered. And the team has said we might partner with someone in a similar fashion like we had with Dale Coin Racing. When I asked last asked Henry and others with the team, he said they were talking with several, but nothing was determined. That was probably... I don't know if that was Laguna Seca weekend. I think it was a week or two before that. Maybe it had been uh, the Gateway weekend. He just said things are really open right now. So I think you can cross that off, that HMD is not partnering with Ed Carpenter Racing. Could they return to Dale Coyne? Uh, could they be involved with McLaren in some fashion? We shall see. Or might they just simply say, we've got eight, nine, ten cars all possibilities in Indy next we got enough going on we have a driver that we help get to IndyCar in David Malukas we have another driver in Christian Rasmussen who won a championship with us and is in IndyCar and actually uh, two more Linus Lundquist two of the rookies next year are from the HMD pipeline and then a third is part of the HMD family literally in David Malukas so I don't know that they would feel like they have to be a part from a branding perspective Uh, they may simply decide, let's wait until we can do it the right way and be a more substantial partner with an IndyCar program. And all that said, we may see an announcement come out in two days that says they're back in a similar fashion with Dale Coyne or someone else. But happy for Rasmussen. I think he'll do well. I think it will strengthen the program. Uh, The choice between Askew and Rasmussen, we debated that a little bit. You know, I think with Askew, you had the potential that he was going to be able to help the development potentially more just simply because he has more experience, is an older driver, and is good, uh, very good, and very, very well thought of. The likes of Kyle Kirkwood, who's on a multi-year contract extension now, and and so forth. Um, 
But Rasmussen was said to be a little bit quicker. He told us that. Others said the same things. I think Askew was on long runs just as quick. And again, maybe, maybe provides better feedback. But that's not that's not a given. Maybe Rasmussen incredibly impressed them as well with what he was telling them about the car. And sometimes they'll do things with young drivers to just kind of see, all right, how much do they understand what we're doing to the car uh, this is what we think it's going to do. Does does the driver feel the same way? So I'm disappointed for Oliver because I'd still love to see him get another chance. But a lot of times it's about upside. And it's a it's just easier. It's not just easier to sell, but it's easier to feel more optimistic because you might say, well, this driver's had a chance with a couple of teams and he's done okay. Maybe not been... I think it's more than maybe. Was it in the best of circumstances, especially that close to full season that he had at, uh, what was it at the time, AMSP, Errol McLaren, Schmidt-Peterson? But Rasmussen's really, really good, and we want to see what he can do. So that's where it's at. Maybe there's another opportunity for Oliver. Uh, I hope so. But but it's getting late early, as we like to see. Uh, Say So it's a 20 and a 21 situation. Two cars with a third for the Indy 500 that we still need to run run through that at some point. We'll do that either later in this show or next week as well with the remaining less than handful of seats that are available for the Indy 500. Now to Hunko's Hollinger. Um, Surprised and not really surprised that it was announced last week that Callum Eilat would not return through mutual decision or however was it was worded. Uh, this type of announcement would not have surprised me from the summer. But once McLaren was involved, I kind of thought they were going to want to stay in the Callum Eilat business. But obviously, uh, there were enough other factors involved that said it's it's time to move on. I think it's probably fair to say this was not about performance, or certainly not simply about performance, because Callum Eilat is very, very well regarded and always moved forward from where he qualified, um, raced better than the pace of the car showed. So this was more about, I guess the easy way to put it is fit. And we'll talk more about this when Kurt joins us in the next segment. And the fit was not fantastic for a, a lot of different reasons. So what is next? Um, They put out a tweet early this morning, said, stay tuned. And then I wondered, might we have something before the show is done tonight? And then, oh, mid-afternoon or so, I believe the tweet said Thursday at 10 a.m. And we had one of those a few weeks ago for a 10 a.m. that didn't happen for another day or two. But so I think we can say earliest that we get an official announcement is Thursday at 10 a.m. Many have been saying that we think it's, I, I can't say I thought it was Romain Grosjean, it's just what I kept hearing. I kept hearing Romain Grosjean, but I didn't have any sourcing on that. Uh, others are saying the same thing. They may have more sourcing. Well, now we have people looking into graphics, and it sure seems like it's going to be Romain Grosjean. And to me, that makes some sense, too, with the McLaren affiliation. If the relationship needed to end between Callum Eilat in the team, 
I think it's easier to get McLaren on board with that because this is a commercial relationship. They have a need. They have too many sponsors for the cars that they have. So they need somewhere to put stickers. So they're going to want a driver that gets some attention and is well-known, and Romain Grosjean will be very, very easy to sell. So that makes some sense, and he's a bigger name than Callum Eilat. And he might be just as good. He, he's very talented, could have won a couple, three races this year in the right circumstances. So we shall see. But what makes us think even more that it's Grosjean is many noted the flames on the graphic today that Grosjean embraces being the Phoenix and has uh, basically used that as part of his branding since he escaped that fiery crash. And Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star noted, I didn't catch this, but he looked at the fine print down below, and in the wording, some of it was in French. Uh, so this is a team that races in America, who is from Argentina, and you've got some things in French. I think we can connect the dots there, and this no longer is a surprise, and they did that on purpose. Uh, good for them. That is a nice teaser. So that will cross off another one. So what's left? Dale Coyne Racing. They'll be testing some drivers in the very near future. It's been reported that Enzo Fittipaldi, the younger brother of Pietro, who's had some success moving up the Formula One ladder. I remember him racing in uh, Indy Pro 2000 for a little while a few years ago. So he's been over here like Pietro has as well. He's going to test with Dale Coyne Racing. There'll be some other surprises. I guess we can cross off Theo Porcher. He had said, so So he's the F2 championship leader with one more round to go uh, in Abu Dhabi with a 25-point advantage. And there's no room for him in Formula 1 next year. So it's been mentioned that, that they want to keep him active. He is an Alfa Romeo reserve driver for next season and they want something somewhat similar and I think he was asked I don't know if he brought it up or was simply asked but said IndyCar is on the list the team has since a couple of days later come back and told uh, motorsport.com it doesn't seem like IndyCar is on the list they said it's Super Formula or the World Endurance Championship and and I brought that up before when we talk about some of these drivers I think in the Formula One world they rate super formula higher than they do IndyCar. It's quite clear that many of them don't have any regard for IndyCar as well. And then you know what Liam Lawson did this year in that championship, and then what he was able to do when he got a chance in a Formula One car. Pierre Gasly drove in that series. Stoffel Van Horn. I don't know if they would include the fact that Alex Pelot was in the series, didn't win the championship, and then came over and by year two was crushing in IndyCar. But that, that does seem more likely or something world endurance championship and it may be matter i don't know if racing in super formula in japan is better logistically or not but but certainly world endurance championship could be and there are other f2 driver names like fittipaldi that we're going to hear and we'll get into that later on so open seats well we may have none at hunkos hollinger uh we have the two at dale coin racing and then we have probably just one at Foyt, and that may not even be a full situation. I've heard differing thoughts on Santino Ferrucci. There seemed to be optimism that he would be back full-time in the 14 at the end of the season. Uh, I have heard, and clearly others, I saw Nathan Brown wrote the same thing that others are telling him, 
Uh, so they're probably the same people telling me and probably more people telling Nathan because he's digging a little bit deeper, but that Ferrucci might just be ovals. And that might be a Rasmussen-type situation where they're looking for someone that can bring some budget, but not enough of a budget. And maybe it's a driver that, eh, I'm okay if I don't do the extra ovals. If I can do the road courses, or maybe it's an extra car for the Indy 500, just like the Rasmussen deal, that is plenty good enough. All we know at this point on Benjamin Peterson is what's being said publicly that uh which i expect to be the case but the reason i give this a little bit of an asterisk because calamilot was on a multi-year deal you know this is another example i always talk about the contracts we don't ever know the fine print and the outs and the options in all of these i remember peyton manning being announced as he will retire a colt because he signed a long-term extension and whatever this was 2010 or 2011 then he hurts his neck doesn't want to retire and he's in two more super bowls with another team it happens a lot in all forms of sports so contracts are a guide but they're not the end-all be-all and we have seen that be the case so i i think that's going to be the case with peterson and i i really don't think foyt is going to try to fire him or anything like that, this would be a circumstance if, I think, if, this is probably where the smoke is, if the Petersons think there is a better opportunity for them, a conversation could probably take place where they might be able to mutually agree to separate. Because I think Stingray Rob is waiting in the wings with a very nice budget, and that's why, and maybe even more budget, and that might be why they would be willing to entertain that conversation. If there wasn't a driver with a significant amount of budget, then it would be, no, this is a contract. We did a multi-year. We're all good. And I think that's where it's going to end up because that's the best place for Benjamin Peterson at this point as well. You know, maybe he could entertain going to Dale Coyne, but I would think you could make an argument, some consistency, and let's do year two in the program and let's see what this means with the Penske relationship, I want to give this a go. And we were quick at the Indy 500, so that's something to certainly build around for year number two. So I think we're looking at the 14 seat is the one that is open at this point. So already we are at Halloween, and we are just about out of seats. We're thinking it's probably three, and maybe it's two and a half if Santino Ferrucci is sharing the 14, and it's still possible that he's full-time there uh, because I think they'd like to continue that, down that path, but it may be simply a matter of, okay, we could use a little bit more budget to help us go faster. So that's what we see on that front as far as the silly season is concerned. Uh, now we've got crew people moving around and some things along those lines that we'll get into coming up in just a little bit. Halloween, a couple of things to mention with the dates. Uh, first of all, Halloween and, and all of us in the racing community think back to uh, 1999 at Fontana. Ironic Fontana. I think I saw pictures of it being bulldozed last week as well. But this is the anniversary of the day that we lost Greg Moore. And uh, he is still very much on many, many people's minds. And while I didn't know Greg at all, I have a lot of mutual friends. So... Uh, just a thought to all of his fans, and he still resonates 
as much as any driver, uh, some, what, 24 years later at this point. So it is a day for red gloves, uh, and, and we're thinking of Greg and all of his friends and fans, and you always wonder what might have been, what might have been in a Penske car for Greg Moore. So uh, he is one of the legends that was gone way too soon. Um, I like birthdays more. You know, I've always said that about Dan's. I, I don't like really spending a lot of time on that day in October. I, I'd prefer to more think about Dan Weldon on his birthday, but that's the thing. I don't know Dan's birthday off the top of my head unless I see it on social media. Unfortunately, we all remember where we were in circumstances like that. But a birthday of significance, Wilbur Shaw was born in 1902, so we like history on this program. And sort of this radio station was born this date in 1938. That's when WIBC uh, first debuted. And I did not know this until I saw this, or if I did, I had forgotten it. It wasn't at 1070. It was at 1050 on your AM dial. I think it was the third Indianapolis station at the time, and for many, many, many years was the most successful. And obviously, 1070 uh, doesn't exist for WIBC. They moved to FM, where they still exist, so WIBC is still very much around. And I think there's something at 1070, but it's not us. Emma still owns that frequency, and we are, of course, on the FM dial and on the internet and podcasts and so forth. Okay, so there's this date in history for you as a bonus. Kurt will join us in a moment. We'll get his reaction to some of these stories and plenty more. Trackside 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Ed Carpenter, and you're listening to Trackside. And Kurt Cavan joins us now as we continue on this Halloween evening. First, with a few notes, uh, just reminders for self. Our show next week is going to be on Tuesday again. So I say this once Kurt has joined us now uh, to, to let us all know. Tuesday night, full two hours, seven until nine. Then we are on a Monday the following week, the 13th. After that, I'm not going to look because... Uh, like Bill Belichick, we're on to the next one. We're on to one week at a time. So I really kind of broke a rule looking at at two at a time. The IMS Museum, here's your note. This is the last week to get to it for a while. So it closes. The last open day, I believe, is Sunday. And it's going to be closed next Monday the 6th. So make a note of that. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Um now, you can still do tours of the track. The, the normal bus ride, I believe, is still going to be open. And this will be uh, shut down. And I can't wait to see what they do with this. <laughs> Something that's going to take, what, 15, 16 months? This is not just moving some things around. This is going to be significant. Uh, 
what do we think is going to be different when this opens up in what April, uh, right well, before May of twenty five? Well, I think for starters, first of all, I've not dug into all the details. I've looked at a lot of the images. I think it will have a look and feel of you know that's totally different than what we've seen in the past. But I think the fundamental difference, as I understand it, is we're going to go from a two-story building to a three-story building. So you're going to have three levels in some in some form as opposed to just two. And so, you know, that that obviously changes everything about the inside of the building. But, you know, it was interesting. Uh, they had an event uh, the other night. I've been in I've been out of town the last week and so wasn't able to attend kind of the farewell party that they had over the weekend. But looking at the photos and then just kind of thinking back you know, it's it's really been it's not entirely our lifetime of that museum being the museum as we know it. But I can remember being there in grade school and it must have been relatively I think it opened <laughs> Jason at the at the museum's going to correct me, I'm sure, because at this point, because I think it opened in like 75. And so I would have been in in, you know, elementary school still. Uh, but I can remember being in the museum as a youngster. And so virtually my whole life, you know, fundamentally has been the museum as we know it. Um, at that time, nobody went to the basement. Nobody got to see what was down there. It's only been the last few years that that the basement tour has been available. And I mean, you had to be, as our listeners know, you had to kind of be somebody to get to the basement, you know, more than five years ago. Uh, and, and so, you know, just the, just the, old school nature of just cars parked in different spots has been, you know, something as we've known it most of our lives. And as I looked at the photographs of, of that party the other night, you know, it was almost like saying goodbye to the museum. And, and while we will still have all the, the, the cool cars and, and the trophies and the photographs and, and so forth, it will be interesting to see how it's reimagined, you know, how does it look and feel does it have more interactive? I mean, all these things are are in the in the plans, but you know, until we actually see them, so you know, it'll be interesting. I did an event with uh, Paul Page and his son uh, Brian the a couple weeks ago, maybe about a week ago, and it was you know we were talking about Brian's involvement with two race winning cars, and that would have been Dan Weldon's in 2011 and Alexander Rossi's. Brian works for Andretti Autosport, Andretti Global now, and Alexander Rossi's in 2016 and how both those cars were kind of essentially fuel races, uh, different, totally different races in one sense, you know, strat based on the strategy involved. Um, but it was interesting that those cars were just kind of lined up you know, right next to each other. And you could kind of look through history and see, see them lined up. And I guess I say that because, you know, as you reposition these cars, it will be interesting to see, you know, if you walk in the museum right now and they move cars around a lot, but primarily on the left, on the right side of the museum are, are the Indy 500 winners. And so you kind of walk through there and you can kind of you can see the changes that are dramatic from from maybe you know 1950 to 1970s and it's just it's just a interesting display and you can as i take people through the museum or i spend time there myself you really see you know head to head the differences in the cars and um 
it'll just be interesting to see how they present those in a new reimagined uh, museum. And it will feel like a new museum. I think, I, you know, we've, we've kind of known this one as I'm getting back to where I started, we've known this one so long, you know, pretty much, uh, what is that? Pretty close to 50 years, truthfully. And, um, so it's going to be cool. I, I I think it's, you know, I hate that we're not going to have it available, but as you mentioned, the tours are still going to be there. You can still take the bus ride around the track, which is honestly kind of the coolest part of the, of the whole experience. I always love seeing the cars. And, and I know that, that guests that I have in there, you know, they're just mesmerized by the designs and the, you know, is there an aero screen on it or a windshield? Does it have a mirror? Does it, where's the placement of the driver? Where's the engine? All these kind of things. But ultimately, just being on the racetrack is what excites people. And your memory is good. 75 is close enough because that's when they broke ground. It opened in April of 76. The original opened in April of 56, which is basically where the yeah. admin building is now. Correct. The corner of 16th and the roundabout, 16th and Georgetown. Uh, so that's really cool. It reminded me of something, too. When you mentioned the event last week, I was not aware of that. I could not have attended because I was out of town as well. So here's my public service. I think a lot of email things are getting lost because my old email has finally gone away. Uh, Emma's Communications sold to Urban One, Radio One, almost two years ago, but our emails continued to be pushed through to the new Radio One account. So if you have any kind of Kevin at 1070thefan.com or Kevin at indy.ms.com on your list, because I'm missing a lot of emails. I'm trying to get to our IT people at Radio One, not being successful so far to see if there is a way to send out a message, archive things. So it just kind of disappeared all of a sudden after about a year and a half, a couple of months ago. So um I'm probably missing freelance job opportunities because I can't get to the email at this point. So I got to work on that. And I should have just simply shut that down when the station was sold immediately. So there you go. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know how you I don't know how you tell everybody. And I guess there's a way to send it. Well, from I your... should have sent an automatic reply. I oh, should have I put see. that on That's there true. saying that's the best way. You know, my, my email is changing. Don't use it anymore. And that is my fault. Um I've got too many email addresses now at this point. Oh, by the way, I did find someone tweeted asking if there was an email for the show. And there is one, uh, which may come to you as well, to your Radio 1 email, which I know you don't know where it's at or know how to get to. <laughs> Trackside at 1075thefan.com. I tried it. It will come to me. Trackside at 1075thefan.com. If for those of you that don't do the Twitters, I wouldn't bother sending me an Instagram question. I, I, maybe I'll get to them tonight. I I found some the other day, like direct messages and so forth, and that's a slim <laughs> chance that's going to make the air. Oh, this um, is this is bad I, stuff when when you can't get to your Instagram. Well, I can get to it, but I don't really do the gram. It's really a very poorly designed app. It really is. Uh, uh, you can't. I, I like news. You pull yeah. something up and it's what I saw four days ago. I see, it's like Facebook. I see the same posts over and over and over, and they're in random order. I know people aren't happy with the new Twitter, but it's good. If, yeah. if you're looking to serve news and if he would just monetize the old tweet bot thing, 
which allowed you to go from one app to another, one device to another, and keep your place, I'd happily pay the 10 bucks. I'd do the checkmark thing if that was included in that. I've wandered off on a tangent, but we're here to help because I know Elon is a big listener to the program. All right, I went through uh, the big news. Uh, the news fairy has been busy since we last spoke last Tuesday and kind of covered what's going on with uh, Hunko's Hollinger and Ed Carpenter Racing. Just kind of what stands out to you? What um, Maybe what surprised you the most? Uh, well, Eilat's the one that surprised me the most, and and that may be a longer one. We may end up having to push that to the next segment. But let's start with, with Rasmussen. I think, you know, this is what made the most sense to me. And we talked about this last week of, of pairing him with, with, you know, in the road and street course program, you know, that just felt like that was kind of the right step. And I, I feel like, you know, a, I know the Indy next drivers are ready for a full season, but I also think there's, there's some real benefit to not having all the pressures of all the, I mean, there's not like, you know, half the season is oval racing, but I just think it it's a nice segue into the sport. Uh, I think Linus, while he has, you know, really excelled in his, his three races and showed that these guys are ready from the get-go, I just think it's been a nice kind of transition. I think he'll be really better in his first full year with, with Ganassi, having just kind of morphed into the series uh and and I again I know that's not what an Indy Next driver, let alone an Indy Next champion, wants to do. But I think it's been beneficial uh, for Linus to have felt his way through and and sampled and not had the pressure of a full time job and oval races. And I just think Christian will be really really well prepared in in twenty five for having just kind of. I don't want to even say eased into it. He just he's just not had the pressure of of the oval races as well. Um, you know, maybe by the time you know it's the second half of the season, the oval races are are held that because um, it's still be in the Indy five hundred. But I don't know. It just I may be rambling a little bit and 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 not giving it enough credit. But I think Christian's going to be really in a beneficial spot. Uh, with a sort of a half season or two thirds season with with Ed Carpenter, and I'm glad that we kind of, you know, it, it, for, at least from my perspective, it felt like the right decision for everybody involved. I think he'll be terrific. He's one, he's one I'm really looking forward to watching in in 2024. And um, as for Ilot, I I'm just, you know, it, it just feels like the process, and I'm not blaming the team but it feels like the process has done a disservice to Callum. Um, you know, if he'd have known, maybe he did know, but if he had really been a free agent and been available six weeks ago, would that have changed the dynamics? Uh, would there be some openings that he would have been a strong candidate for? Um, I think he's, you know, he's, he's really somewhat difficult to judge. I think we all think he's, he's uh you know, top shelf quality. Uh, I guess we don't, do we really know um, if he's top shelf quality? And so, you know, it's just unfortunate. I think his timing is unfortunate and I don't see a lot of opportunities for him. Maybe there are two or three uh, as we know that. And I think we should go through those. Maybe the Nathan Brown list was, was terrific to kind of go through, but just, it just feels like his timing, uh, the timing of it, uh, is not going to be in his favor. 
And I really like Callum. I think he has been terrific off the track. I think he's he's got, again, I think he's top shelf uh, consideration. Um, maybe the jury's still out to know if he's, you know, a top eight guy in this sport, but I think he's got a chance to be really good. And I think um, he's done the kind of things that you would hope for in a driver coming into this sport. And, you know, he's, he's qualified well, he's, he's raced well at times. He struggled at times, uh, but, but I think he's been good for the sport. This is surprising, and it's not surprising exactly. that he's no longer with Hunkos Hollinger. Um, this one has layers to it, and there are a lot of things going on. And I think, ultimately, it was a marriage that maybe needed to end. But from Callum Eilat's perspective, only if he knew he had somewhere else to go. Let's go back first to the option through mid-December, that is less than ideal for the driver, but it was agreed upon. Yeah. And that was a, and that's the dilemma for a driver and the advantage that a team has when a team is hiring someone. That option would not be the case, almost certainly, if a driver was bringing budget. The driver is going to keep control of those things, then that we need to mutual agree that you want to take the money I'm bringing and uh, deliver me a race car by September 1st, August 1st, whatever. Those are normally the dates, July 1st in some cases. But when the driver has no other options, because it's very difficult, no matter how good he is and how good his resume was or any driver's is, it's difficult to just get fully hired right off the bat. So when a team is offering that, they have all the leverage. And they can basically say, we are investing in you, so we want to have control. And we also want to know, and the reason that we have a December date instead of September 1st is because by September, we may not know if we have the funding to run for next season. So it wouldn't be that we don't want you. It might be we can't run you if we can't pay for it. And in their case, what if Brad Hollinger says, I've had enough of this. I thought we were going to find more sponsorship, and instead I'm paying a lot of this. Now, I don't know what the, the financials are at this point, but just as, as an example. And it's essentially a take it or leave it because the driver can be told, if that's not acceptable to you, we have four other drivers that are pretty good. Some might even bring some budget, and we'll go to them. So as the young driver, yeah, okay, I'll take my chances. On that. So that's how that all comes to pass. You know, they could have held him until that date. Yeah. So, in some ways, you could say Hunkos is doing a favor by making this public um, with what a week left in October because not every seat is filled. Uh, I don't see a lot of opportunity, but I do see chances. Dale Coyne Racing has not confirmed what they're going to do. There's a possibility in that circumstance. I'm not sure that there's any opportunity at Foyt. I think they have more drivers interested, some with budget, than they have seats at this point, uh, and so forth. You know, the other, the scenario there is, I would say this, I don't suspect the team was super happy at times with Callum's honesty about the way things were going. And I suspect that rubs some people the wrong way. Now, the dilemma for the driver is you're trying to defend yourself. You're trying to explain 
why we're qualifying 18th every week or 20th or 21st. And, you know, and, and, and things might have come to a head in May when he said the car was undrivable. And I don't know. You know, they tried everything, went to a different car. It got better. Is it confidence? You know, as I would ask Callum these things, when he first told me all of this, I was reluctant to share it publicly because I thought, well, that's not going to go over well. And then it eventually got out there and it, it was there. And it was very blunt. Um, now, as his point was, which I tended to believe is, hey, I know when a car should go straight at 208 miles an hour, and this one won't go straight. There's something wrong with the car. The team couldn't find anything. Uh, I guess Delara couldn't really find anything. But anyway, those kind of things along with others. Uh, and then you add in the dynamic of the teammate from Argentina and everything along with that. And, you know, when he said leading into the last weekend, I'm going to be back or words to that. Now, Ricardo was reminding everyone, no, no, I hold the option. And there are some other things in play here. I still think it was headed for a return. And then the tangling with Canapino, which most of us agree that that's not Callum Eilat's fault. But we don't know what was said um, privately, and there was a million dollars on the line there. And, you know, the team may argue you can't take any chances at all with your teammate in that circumstance. So that may have been the final straw. Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star uh, had a tweet a few days ago, and, and he said he asked the team if McLaren had any say. Remember, they have a commercial partnership and Nathan was told no. I'm, I mean, semantically, I'm sure that's correct because I do believe that Hunkos Hollinger is not going to give up the final say. But logically, does that make any sense? They're essentially a sponsor. What major sponsor does not have some say on who the driver is? If they negotiated this deal with McLaren and McLaren has no say, then kudos to McLaren, uh, kudos to Hunkos Hollander, yeah. because they're the savviest businessmen and team owners ever, because every sponsor has some say. And then you can simply say, nope, we're sticking to our guns. This is our driver. And then you won't have that that sponsor when the contract ends. Are we I, buying I, this? No, I'm I'm not, because I don't think I don't see McLaren being involved heavily in the Canopino side of the program. If they had another program that really spoke to Aero McLaren, then then I think possibly that was the case, but I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, so I think this took a little while because they needed to meet with McLaren. And my presumption was that was what's going to save Callum Eilat. When it was Hunko's Hollinger on their own, if you'd asked me midsummer, would Callum be back next year? I'd have probably said more than 50 50, no because they are going to mutually agree to move on. Then when McLaren came on board, I thought McLaren is probably going to want to have the rights to him. So something changed there. Well, McLaren was okay of moving on, and, and they simply found uh, a better option. So there's that part of it. Uh, totally agree with what you said and what we talked about with um, Ed Carpenter Racing as well. This is good for Ed, which if I'm Ed, I'm looking out for Ed. And this is much better for Ed, and I think it's good for Rasmussen as well. We'll get into more of this coming up in a little bit. 
Uh, and we'll preview our number two coming up next. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi. This- Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Graham Rahal, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Okay, a couple of quick Twitter questions before we get into our number two. Uh, For the love of Indy, points out June 22nd. He remembers that's uh, Dan Weldon's birthday because he won on his birthday at Iowa in 2008. That's the way he remembers it. Yeah, good point. Ken Anderson says it's snowing in Traverse City, Michigan. Is it March yet? Um, yeah, my daughter is at Western Michigan, and, and she sent a picture of snow tonight as they went out trick-or-treating. I don't want to know what they're doing as freshmen in college. I don't think they're trick-or-treating. And... Uh, Fleetwood Marky Moose says, if a kid shows up tonight dressed as Chip Ganassi, should we just give him the whole bowl of candy? What do you mean, Marky? Um, We have been light on trick-or-treaters. The first group of kids that came tried to grab the whole thing, and it's, hey, we've got to, you know, make it through the rest of the night. Now it's pretty much you get five because we're going to have a lot left over. So there there are deals to be had here in the next little while before we turn out the porch light. Um, oh, did you see this? Flavor Flav singing the national anthem for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's going mainstream. That's that's good. Uh, I don't know that what he did was good, but I'll give him this. He tried. He did it with respect, and he did it better than I could have. So that's my man, Flavor Flav. We can't wait to see him at uh, Detroit again next year. We've got NASCAR's championship. That's another one of my markers. Once we get through that season, it feels like we're starting to get into the real motorsport offseason. Still some Formula One to come, but... That'll get us closer to the start of IndyCar. Uh, The championship coming up this weekend at Phoenix on NBC, I think 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon with Kyle Larson. That'd be cool to see someone in the Indy 500. That's the reigning cup champion, Christopher Bell. We like Christopher Bell. Ryan Blaney, everybody thinks he's cool. He's a Team Penske driver. There's the connection, and William Byron as well. So that is coming up this weekend uh, along with Formula One in Brazil. Hour number two, we may touch on a little bit of Formula Formula One and plenty of other nuggets to get to. Still talking silly season and more on Trackside. Hi. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Will Power, and you're listening to Trackside. Happy Halloween, Hour 2, Trackside, 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. Hopefully everyone is done this point because it is miserably <laughs> cold, uh, which is why it was a good excuse to not have to answer the door or anything because I'm doing doing the show tonight, so that's good. Um, I, I said earlier, I think that... Uh, just last week, I was thinking, I miss going out trick-or-treating. I thought that oh, no, about a week no, ago. No, 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 I do. I miss going out. I don't miss trick-or-treating at this point. Yeah. I miss trick-or-treating when it's 50. <laughs> well, I've been in I've been in Vegas all week. Uh, just got back uh, this late this afternoon. So it's really felt like um, winter back in Indy. Uh, Vegas. I didn't go for the strip. I, I I'm not a Vegas strip person. We we went down to look at the Sphere, which I think is incredible. Uh, that they've spent a billion dollars on this entertainment facility. That's this big giant ball that you can see for across most of the uh, Vegas Valley. Um, we came out to play golf and and see our family uh, that's here and and kids are in LA and they drove over. So it's been a really great week, but, but to be back in, in Indiana, I mean, just, I, I don't know that I could live in, in the desert, but I think, you know, two or three months a year, Vegas is the suburb suburbs of Vegas is something that I think I could really get, get connected with just because it's, it's those other nine months. It's those <laughs> nine. Well, it's at least those three or four months. I covered a couple events uh, here in uh, in this sport in like September, and it was just brutally hot. hot. Brutally, but it's hot. not nine, but it's six. It's it's probably certainly yeah. May to October, early October. How hot mm-hmm. was it during the day while you were out there? So it was it was like seventy eight. Uh, oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. And a low of 50, but in the, you know, in the, in the desert, 50 feels like about 35 because yeah. it's, uh, you know, the lack of humidity, but, but anyway, I've not missed this, uh, Indiana time, but you know, it's all, it just kind of ebbs and we flows. And we'll, pro- we'll probably have some golf days in November, truthfully here and, you know, but we missed fall. Oh, I know. I know. I was I, in Fort Lauderdale and I came back and I wouldn't say it's winter, but it's definitely not fall. But you're right. It'll <laughs> it'll get warm again and it might be 56 on Christmas again, like it's been some of the last few day, a few years. So oh, did did you see where the Formula One track is? Did you did. see that? How much um how angry are the locals? That's what I'm reading a lot of. No, they're they're not happy. I played golf uh let's <laughs> see, yesterday, Monday with uh with a a couple of guys and they were they said you know just talked about not so much the traffic it's just you can't move on the strip from the standpoint of you know they've already got like uh formula one uh all, all the fencing and now the fencing yeah. itself the fence but all the post and the barricade and so like you can't cross the street where you might have otherwise 
But I'll say this. It's absolutely going to be Vegas representation. I mean, this is not, you know, the IndyCar race years ago, not so much on the strip, not so much at the key points. But this this is going to go, and I don't know how many blocks it is, but I would because those blocks in Vegas are different than the blocks in the rest of America. But but I would say in in a in a rest of America vocabulary, it's probably fifteen blocks, twenty blocks of the strip. I mean, it is a large swath of the city, and then it cuts back by the wind and back by the sphere. You're going to see that sphere in about I don't know thirty to thirty percent of the of the race shots because the suites are back there. It was difficult for me to really tell where the pit lane was. I should have looked it up on the map before I got there, but you got suites around this the sphere, and you're going to see that that going to be that's going to be very prominent this big uh electric sign if you will uh that's going to show up in a lot of the camera shots because essentially the circuit runs past at a couple different points but it's it's 100 on race weekend going to shut down the auto traffic in in downtown vegas or what we call down there you know that's funny there's not really a downtown to vegas i don't know where anybody actually works if you don't work at a casino because there's no like office buildings <laughs> i don't know where they actually do business uh they must be all hidden but um yeah the formula one track is going to be disruptive um they haven't to this point um you know we flew out this morning haven't haven't put up the actual fencing. I mean, it hasn't really taken over the city, but it certainly is an inconvenience for sure. And it will continue to be so. And on race weekend, it's going to be just awful in terms of trying, you won't, you just won't be able to drive down there. That's all. And so the traffic is going to get rooted to a lot of the side streets and, you know, that's going to bog things down. And it's never easy to drive through uh, the strip area as it, on a normal day, let alone a Formula One weekend. But I'll tell you what, all the ads, I mean, you know, if you didn't, if you certainly know it's coming, this is, uh, we talk about that in a lot of cities that IndyCar races in, do the locals know there's going to be a race? These locals, absolutely, you can't escape it. That's why a street race has some advantages. That's that's your marketing and promotion budget. You don't need to do a lot of extra spend um, word of mouth is going to take care of that. Now, that's a, that's a really pricey marketing spend. <laughs> you know, normally I don't know what the number is, but it's a small percentage of the investment. In this case, it is uh, most of the investment. So yeah, yeah that's but, right. But the, you can maybe allocate a little bit to that. Speaking of F one, just text him to find out if he's working this weekend. If you were watching uh, this weekend's Formula One race from Mexico. How refreshing was it for the post-qualifying interview to see questions asked for the second week in a row with our man James Hinchcliffe? So he's working with F1 TV, and they often just designate someone, not necessarily with the – well, there's many different broadcasts. So we see the Sky broadcast, but that's one of 25 unique broadcasts all using the same – basic pictures but our man hinch is really good and at coda the week before i forget who it was he asked someone a question they look generally surprised oh there's a question in here i'm going to have to give this some thought so that was really good i just texted him to see if he's working this weekend i know he's got at least one more but i'm not sure i I, i'm fairly certain he's doing vegas this weekend i believe is brazil 
Um, so I'm not sure if he's on or not, but uh, I'm going to make it an effort to uh, find a, a weekend plan to watch F1 TV to see Hinch work. We see him a little bit just on the, it's kind of ironic, he's on the ESPN feed, but that's also owned by Comcast. Here's the, you know, he's an NBC employee. Sky is owned by Comcast. Yeah. On ESPN, one of their main competitors in America, but that's the British broadcast that we are generally watching. So, yeah, 16 wins, 15 the year before. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. Tomorrow in on IndyCar.com, you know, we debate a lot of things. And this for Stappen's 16 wins, you know, what would be the equivalent in a really competitive IndyCar series? How many wins would it take for a driver to be – what we would call Verstappen like, you know, where you would just go, holy, you know what, this guy has, has just crushed it. Uh, and so w- we've debated that and, uh, uh, we've got a, we've got a new, uh, staff member in Eric Smith that many people know and redhead race re- review. And, uh, so, um, Eric and Paul Kelly and I debate what, what would take, a uh, put an IndyCar just series. Make sure mom uh, is not going to need the car. It would take a championship, you know, season. What kind of dominance would it take for everybody to stand up like, uh, like, like Verstappen? And I think, you know, I'll just save my answer for tomorrow. But it's 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 a it's a fun topic. Eight wins. Well, I've seen eight a couple different times in my life, uh, and Alex it's still not this dominant. We still no. don't know who's going to win going into every race. So ten is. Tennis it's not record. possible. It's I would who won ten? Foyt won ten and sixty-four. He won nine uh, of the first uh, ten. Yeah, yeah. I get it. It's just different. And Al Unser, Al Unser won ten in nineteen seventy. So actually that that probably is similar. I'm gonna guess you went into weekends because there wasn't the depth of competition, I think. I speak having no firsthand knowledge, but that would be my guess. And there was probably a big disparity between the haves and the have-nots. That that's what you—that's what this is similar to. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, and there's nothing close since 1980. No, there eight 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 wins has been accomplished by Mike Landretti in '91, by okay. Alan Sir Jr. in '94, and by Sebastian Bourdais in 2007. Now, you know that. Think about that. Think how good Bourdais was. Eight of 14. That's, That's pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, pretty yeah. strong. Now, again, that was getting to be early 60s level, I think. No yeah. disrespect, as we like to say, but there wasn't the depth of the field. There wasn't the depth of the field. in the. If one of these teams would have come over to the IRL in 1998, you know, um, Ganassi or Newman Haas. I know Penske was down a little bit, but Penske still. They would have won probably two thirds of the races at that time, having bigger bigger budgets. But that that's yeah, it's interesting. Um, we like excellence, yeah, but we also like to have some uncertainty. So, and it's it's going to be an issue for Formula One moving forward. Yeah, if someone won six races in a season right now, you would say that was that was pretty unbelievable. Six or seven races would be pretty unbelievable yeah. in this sport right yeah. now. But it's still not at all like Verstappen because we right. would still think, well, you know, their luck is going to run out here at some point. We go into every race knowing it's going to take something 
very out of the ordinary for Verstappen not to win. He doesn't yep. even win the poll every time. And Hinch asked him, you think you'll have the lead by turn one? He was on it. He had the lead by turn one. <laughs> oh, right. boy. Um, back to on-track activity and some other nuggets that we've seen. I saw Kiffin Simpson got his first uh, test in any car at the IMS road course last week. So that's that's good. And, you know, I think I think Kiffin is going to be as prepared as one can possibly be with what he's doing. I think he's got a test coming up in uh, the Ganassi uh, LMDH car. Uh, with the World Endurance Championship. So that is a high-level, pretty high downforce car. Not the same as an Indy car. Joseph Newgarden can now, you know, kind of uh, attest to that as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing some other high-level formula cars that, you know, there's no limit in testing in Europe. There is, the budget is available. Kiffin Simpson is going to be as ready as one can be, and he's going to be in good equipment, what he does next year is one of the great questions going in. He could be 18th. He could be 21st, you know, like Devlin was with a good team, but Ganassi's better right now. Uh, or maybe he is. You know, he's basically, what, ninth or 10th in Indy Next. He might not be that far off in this series. That's probably the top line situation where he's around 10th or so, because we'll go down and, like we've said before, you'll find 13 that are in really good programs, uh, veteran drivers, but those are kind of the upside possibilities. I don't, I don't think he can be in, I don't think he can sniff at the top 10. I just don't, I think he's got, you know, what has he got? Five teammates. How many, how many other teammates does he have now? He's got <laughs> he's four. Got, he's got four other teammates. So he can't, yeah. beat, he can't beat those four. He's not going to beat the three Penske's. I mean, their their experience is is too great. There's a couple at Andretti that you would just a couple three at Andretti that you would say he can't. If he's 13, 14, 15, he's had an unbelievable season. I just that just would be. I think the, I think fifteen feels like as high as he could go. I think you're right. I think we'll see some top tens because I, the car agree. is going to be good. If there are twenty seven cars. I think even in a Ganassi car, it's conceivable that 23rd is good in the championship. Agreed. Agreed. And this has to be seen from their perspective as, all right, maybe we should have done another another year of Indy next, but we've got the budget. And I, I think the question that they asked themselves was, what will best help Kiffin Simpson in 2025 in IndyCar? Is it finishing first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, in Indy Next? Or is it potentially running at the back in IndyCar? And you can make the argument that another year of experience at the lower level and getting used to winning would help. But that's one thing the sports cars is doing for him. He won a championship in LMP2. I know that's different. He may not have been the finishing driver, but he was in key parts of those races and doing pit stops. Uh, if you can, it's kind of like putting your number one overall draft pick out there to start in a two and 14 season. Now two and 15 because they play 17. Um, but if you think mentally 
he can handle it and physically not getting beaten, he's going to be better in year two. You learn more by doing than watching. You said, I thought you were going to say if he's, if he can handle not being beaten emotionally is really, I thought, you know, if, if, if being in the back and, and, and being, you know, struggling, that can be more of a mental, uh, pain infliction, if you will, than, than the physical side. But, but I think he's better off being an IndyCar. If, he, if he's close to being ready, I, I have no idea how to judge yeah, Simpson move, moving forward. I think he's got high level experience uh, in non IndyCar form, but, but it's just really difficult to tell the, the interesting thing to me. And you asked me in the start of segment two uh, on the news items, what intrigues me, uh, probably most over this last week is just this possibility of two Fittipaldi's uh, in mm-hmm. IndyCar in in 2024. We know Pietro, which kind of came out of left field. I mean, I'd be, kind of been, you know, as you had mentioned over the last, you know, several months as the list of people to keep an eye on, Pietro would be like eighth or ninth in the list that you would give. And and I always thought he was probably a little higher than that, but I didn't think he had a real shot to get back to IndyCar. But uh, the fact that Enzo, his younger brother, will be testing a, a Dale Coin car um, at Sebring, I think that's I've kind of lost track of my days, but I think that is in the next week, uh, maybe like after the weekend. Um, I think that's a really interesting thing to watch. I know that they would like for those two drivers to be in the same series. You know, he's running in Formula 2 now. Um, doesn't seem – it's kind of like our Indy Lights, Indy Next discussion. I'll pay my 50 cents um, for saying, you know, the former name of the sport. But he doesn't really need another year of Formula 2. And there's not a Formula 1 seat, at least that we see, it, or not a path at the moment. So I think IndyCar makes a lot of sense. I'd hate for it to be sort of a one- or two-year – option and then he goes to formula one but he is a fittipaldi and his name is enzo and you know if he does he does but uh you know it's it really probably feels like the right place for him to go in 24 he's 22 years old and and um certainly a a promising young driver as we move forward both of those by the way for those that don't know are grandsons of of emerson fittipaldi so i think you know I think Enzo and Pietro and IndyCar in 2024 would be really interesting. Back to the Kiffin Simpson team uh, with Chip Ganassi Racing. Saw a tweet late last night. Our buddy Chris Wheeler is joining Chip Ganassi Racing full-time, working in technical partnerships and driver development. So he was the spotter for the 11 car, uh, the combined effort this past season with Sato and – um, Marcus Armstrong. And for those that don't know Chris, he's been around the sport for many, many years in uh, running karting programs and working for Bell Helmets and various other entities. He's been a driver, manager. His dad, Packy Wheeler, is one of the most well-known spotters. He's been on the 20 car, I believe, for the last several years. Lifers in the sport, friends to everyone, and a WBDG, Ben Davis High School grad. So now he can put those broadcasting skills to use because he's going to be the strategist on the pit stand for the 11. So that means Wheeler is fair game for an in-race interview on NBC. Nice. Nice. And he's ready. I think we've interviewed him before, um, doing some some features on spotters. You know, he's, he's a good talker. 
good he character is. and happy for Chris. This seems like a really good position and a good opportunity as, as that organization continues to grow. More behind the scenes things, Mitch Davis, who insiders yeah. know has been with many, many teams at high-level programs. He kind of bounced around the last few years, hadn't found the opportunity he really liked. Um, he had worked on some road to indie teams most recently, and you'd always see him in May in a one-off situation. Most recently, he had been working with Wayne Taylor Racing, uh, WTR Andretti, on their top-level sports car program. He's coming back to Dale Coyne Racing as the team manager, and he was with them when they won in IndyCar for the first time with Justin Wilson back in 2009. Terry Brown has been the team manager for the last few years, and I I haven't spoken to Terry or Dale or anyone about this, but from my understanding is Terry kind of became the team manager more as a favor to Dale. He's lifelong friends with Dale, has kind of always worked with the team, and I suspect Terry is going to be happy to move into another role, and I'm hoping you'll – it said he's still going to have – a special projects type of title, maybe a little bit of semi-retirement. But Mitch Davis is a good one, so that's a good get for Dale Coin Racing. We're still waiting to hear some other shakeouts as far as where his engineers are going to be. Yeah, the Mitch Davis goes back. I mean, I can remember how successful they were at Ganassi. He and Bill Pappas, yep. and and he and Pappas, you know, Pappas leads the IndyCar kind of technical side of the engineering side of the program. And uh, he and Pappas were just outstanding uh, they were at Dale Coyne racing together. And and Mitch is one of the really smart, uh, I was trying to say normal. You have engineers and sometimes they they can't speak to us, us uh, low people in the uh, in the tech side of the game. And uh, but Mitch has got a way of communicating that's outstanding. He can just explain things. He's good people person. Uh, he'll he'll rally the troops. He'll know what what needs to be done added to Dale Coyne's program. You know, we got a sense that uh, maybe both cars in 2023 at, at DCR were not uh, functioning at the same level. And I think I think you'll see both cars, you know, it'll be a full two car effort. You know what I mean? The, yep. the, those cars will work closely together and they will perform similarly, I think, in 2024 under Mitch's uh, tutelage. You had a story on IndyCard.com recently about Marcus Erickson that that I think brings up a good point. We see, you know, Dixon and Power testing in Milwaukee a couple weeks ago. From uh, I assume that all went well on that, and will help Firestone know what tire to bring on that front. And then you've got all the hybrid testing, um, much of which might go under the radar unless the driver happens to tweet something, like Scott McLaughlin did after doing two hundred and some laps in the heat on the short course at Sebring last week. And the mention with Marcus is that he got to get in the car in a situation where normally you would not. There could be a case. I remember talking to drivers going into this season that they were switching teams and it's, yeah, I'm going to have one day with this team before we get to St. Petersburg. Maybe some had two. Now, not every team has this opportunity, but the bigger teams that are being asked to do the hybrid testing, even though they're not developing the race car right now, how valuable is that for Erickson to and others to kind of get going with a new team? Well, it's invaluable. It's invaluable. And and Marcus, you know, he couldn't even start working with the team until the Andretti team until that week of of the IndyCar test at IMS. But he'll have a couple more opportunities, I'm sure, to be in a car before uh, the season starts, um, probably even before the end of November. So, 
you know, I, th- I think, I think that helps so many of these drivers We're and we should talk about this at a later point. We probably don't have enough time in, in tonight's show, but I don't remember the last time we had this much turnover drivers in new seats. This is, this is almost unprecedented how many new drivers we've got in seats uh, for 2024. And many of those drivers are going to get a chance to work with their teams, maybe not drive the car if they're on the lower end of, of, the, the hybrid order, if you will. But I think you're going to see much more familiarity with these new drivers in new places than we've they've seen before. By the way, I, I want to, I think I need to correct. Did you say that Dixon tested at Milwaukee? Because Dixon didn't test at Milwaukee. He was supposed to. And oh. we, sh- we should bring up, the, and I'm, I'm almost positive the reason, he lost his father a few days later. And I think. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Ron Dixon passed away. Oh, no. And. And um, one of the really good guys uh, in the sport. And um, so uh, Linus Lundquist did that test at Milwaukee. Uh, So it was a last minute decision. Dixon was scheduled to go. You may have seen that element to it. Yeah, I think Uh, I saw the lead into it. And I do remember seeing that Lundquist did that. Oh, no, I I had not heard about Scott's dad. He used to come to races all the time. Haven't seen him in a few years. his, His mom and dad were a lot of fun. I know it's challenging to go from country to country sometimes, too. Well, they they certainly had you know some challenges with with uh, with making all those those races, uh, but I'm sure uh, his dad's um, his dad's health must have been a, a key part of that. I don't know that, uh, but but I know that Linus was a last second replacement uh, for okay. that test at Milwaukee. Uh, but but there's just um, to your point about about helping Marcus Erickson in his transition to Andretti, yeah, he's going to be significantly better uh, because of 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 that opportunity. Well, what a chance it was for for Lundquist too to get an extra sure. oval test, sure. and the same kind of thing applies there. Uh, we're going to see some more Indy next testing, but very limited. As I mentioned last week, I think this might be the first year that things are more on the lockdown. Maybe it started last year. Maybe I'm thinking of two years ago. But that's one of the reasons why I think HMD got so good so fast is they just did a significant amount of testing and more than anybody else did. And they would come out of the gate strong. So to help everyone, I think, with budgets, there are more limits on that. And there's one coming up at Barber, I think, in two weeks on the 13th where I'm sure you're going to see most, if not everybody. And then um, we will, you know, I think by that point probably have maybe a couple of more announcements as to where things are going to go. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I saw the mid Ohio is getting a repave uh, coming up. So they, they kind of tiptoed into that this year doing little sections uh, maybe partly from a cost perspective and also just to make sure it didn't ruin the racetrack because, you know, sometimes you're kind of worried. Uh, you, you hear drivers and fans talk about what gives it character is the weathering and the lack of grip and so forth. So they did that in some places, and I believe it is scheduled for a full repave. They'd like to get NASCAR back. They don't have the the Xfinity series on the schedule next year. They don't have the WeatherTech series on the schedule next year. I think they just have the Michelin Pilot Challenge on the schedule. And then I saw Sonoma's getting a repave. That doesn't impact IndyCar at this point, but who knows? And I'm not throwing out any hint. I've not heard anything about that. But it's a racetrack, um, so you you never uh, close the door on things like that happening 
in the future. All right, coming up in a moment, we'll get into uh, some of the things that we think could be happening for next season, kind of go through that silly season list and more. It's Trackside, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Hi. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Pato Award, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, we've officially uh, called a close to trick-or-treating for the evening, and I think everyone's frozen and they're done, and we've still got a lot of candy left, so there's that. We've got World Series action coming up, joining in progress in just a few minutes in Game 4. Last I looked, oh no, now it's one nothing Texas in the uh, third inning with the Rangers leading this, the World Series Two games to once. We'll have that coming up in, in just a few minutes. All right, uh, cleaning up things from the last segment. I did uh, get a text back from our man James Hinchcliffe. He is working for F1 TV this weekend, so I'm going to effort to try to watch that. I hear it's quite good uh, in the Brazil weekend, so he'll be doing that. Uh, Kurt was asking, we kind of just randomly counting up how many changes we've had since last season, so I looked it up during the break. And I remember this, the number I was kind of using in the summer is that we had only 10 confirmed drivers returning. Now, some we thought were going to return and stay in their same place, and they ultimately did. So what I have at this point is we have 13-ish returning to the same seat, and that sort of includes Marcus Armstrong, who's was splitting the seat with Sato, but has it all to his own. So new seats this year. I've got nine, and it's going to be 10, 11, 12, depending on what Coin and Foyt do. You've got Erickson, Lundquist, Kiffin Simpson, Tom Blumquist, sort of an asterisk. He did three races in that seat last year. Rosenquist, Malukas, Pietro Fittipaldi. Rasmussen, and then whoever's in the 77 for Hunko's Hollinger, we think that's going to be Romain Grosjean. Uh, quick, and we'll save this maybe more until next week, but I did the math again today on where we stand for the Indy 500. It's possible we have 28 full-time entries if Andretti does a fourth. Likely to be 27, though. So 27 full-time, all in the 500, and then extras that we have confirmed, you're already up to 30 because you have, now we count Christian Rasmussen as an extra entry, I guess, or if you want to count Ed Carpenter, whatever. They have three. We now have a, a third for Elio Castroneves as well. We have a fourth at Aaron McLaren for Kyle Larson. So that gets us to 30. Marco Andretti is not, I've not seen an announcement yet, but I feel pretty confident that's going to happen, especially with Andretti at three at the moment. So they're running a fourth, if not a fifth. 
They're running a fourth. And Marco Andretti is going to run, so there's 31. And then after that, if Dreyer and Reinbold does two like they have done, there's 33. If Able Motorsports does one, there's 34. That'd be, I think, 17 Chevys. If Andretti does a fifth, which I think is possible if Honda will allot them an extra engine, then you're up to 18 Hondas, and that might be back into uh, special circumstance. Same situation for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. I don't suspect both of them are going to be allocated engines. Uh, my guess is Honda's only interested in 18, unless it was needed to fill the field, but I think Dreyer and Reinbold is likely already locked in. So I think you have 33 engines that are confirmed at this point, at a minimum. And maybe somebody else has an extra one. Maybe Abel has a second one. I'm sure they have some interest after how they did last year. Maybe Foyt already has an extra one. Maybe Coin has a third. All kind of TBD, and I would suspect it's a race to get to your engine partner and say, we're in, we're good, we're going to have a program, let's go there. I easily see a way to have 36 legitimate entries next year, but I don't know that the engine manufacturers really want to do it. They lose money on each one. They don't want to bump another one of their programs. It's, it's a long discussion that we've had before. I wish it wasn't the way. I wish it was just, let's show up and see who's the fastest and make the race. Um, what's that number going to be? You know, I think they're going to want some bumping. I'm still in the category that 34 doesn't excite me very much. If we're at 34, I'd be fine with 33. I want it to be 33 or 35 plus. And there is, I think, a pretty easy path because I think there is budget to put a fourth at Ray Hall Letterman, to put a fifth at Andretti this year, along with the two at Dry and Reinbold, along with Abel again for RCE, Enerson, or maybe somebody else in that regard. So that's kind of where things stand for Indy 500. Oh, one thing we didn't really talk about when we were talking about Ed Carpenter Racing as to how this might impact Josh Pearson, who was confirmed last week to do a full season. Remember, he did kind of a partial, and the priority was the World Endurance Championship. Uh, I believe the priority is going to be Indy next for him next season with some sports car stuff here and abroad on the side. And the original statement was something like, you know, with a target towards 2025, and Ed Carpenter confirmed this, that there's no exact date in that regard, and we're not going to base our plans based on, you know, where we think a 17-year-old is going to be in a year and a half. If it goes great for Josh Pearson and he's ready to move up to IndyCar next year, he has budget backing him. So that that's the scenario where you can create a third right there and figure it out. Um, Renus VK might be out of contract at the end of next year. If it goes great for Rasmussen and it does not go well for VK, you could see some sliding along. So there's still a lot to be determined on that front as far as that is concerned. All right, we'll get to some of your Twitter questions that I've missed and more coming up in just a moment. It's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. This is Alex Pelot. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. And you're listening to Truckside. Okay, final segment. Here's how we're starting the show next week. With these tweets that I've had lined up for months, and I always run out of time, so that is opening the show next week. Um, But I don't want to run long, and we might as well get to the World Series because I think it's getting close to over already. I think it's 5-0 Texas, so we'll do that and join that in progress in just a moment. Thanks to Eddie back in the studio. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. We'll see you next Tuesday night at 7 here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.